Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. Glad to join you here at Super Talk. Dot .fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. They're seeing a lot more Joel T, I bet, over at Strange Brew. I, I just feel like it's a, it needs to be a twice-a-day thing for you I right just, now. I need the Strange Brew drip. That's what I need. I just need, need I just need a needle right into the veins. A, a brew V is what you need. Yeah. Yeah, that's, million that's, dollar that's another million-dollar idea, right? You just uh, uh, an IV full of strange root coffee that you can just carry around with you. You know? Boom. Another million. If Shane had listened to us, he'd be sitting on about $25 million right now. I wonder if they have, like, a, a like the patch, you know, for, for nicotine yeah. trying to get over that. Well, do we have something we can just stick on Joel's arm to like the, let the, the strange root patch? Through? Yeah. That's, 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 that's a, something like... It's probably a better idea than me rolling around an IV bag. You put it on the lower arm so they get branding. They can see it. Like, did yeah. you get a tattoo? No, no, this is my strange brew patch. Keeps the caffeine flowing through me at all times. These are million-dollar ideas. But until they come into fruition, you need to head over to Highway 12 or University Drive and get yourself some strange brew coffee. CollegeCornerStore.com. That's the place to go when you want to buy a gift card and save big money when you want to buy maroon and white merchandise. It's as simple as this. CollegeCornerStore.com. Buy a gift card there. It's 30% off the purchase. Buy a $100 gift card for only $70 and then turn around and shop at either of their two Jackson area locations. They're in Fleet. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. And you can get something right there or shop online again at collegecornerstore.com. We're only a couple of weeks. Not a couple of weeks. We're, a couple, we're days. Days. We're, we're almost hours away from football. You need to get yourself something new, maroon and white. Show off your support for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. <clears throat> Advantage Business Systems, right now is not the time for your business to not be working for you at its most efficient. So you need to give them a call today and find out how they can put your business right. They've got 45 years of experience helping businesses just like yours across the Magnolia State. No matter what it is your business needs, software, hardware, any kind of solutions that helps businesses, Advantage Business Systems has them. So call them today at 844-833-6245. Or visit them online at absms.com and find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. Joel T., it's another positional breakdown today. It's more questions. We yeah. got questions, you know? And no answers. I want answers. Well, you're not getting them today. I feel I'm entitled. <laughs> I want the truth. It really is tough to do some of these positional breakdowns. Because, like, when we, when we, we're about we to We know the names. And that's it. That's all we know. I mean, we're about to preview corners, and we're going to say Martin Emerson's name, and we've seen what he can do, yeah. and we think he can do even better than what he's done so far. And then we're going to talk about a bunch of guys that, I don't know, maybe they can get the job done, maybe they can't. And that's really... It's why I think the Mississippi State defense is in a world of trouble, because when you have so many questions, 
when you have all these questions at corner, yeah. when you have questions about depth at safety, mm-hmm. when you have questions about outside of Errol Thompson, what you get in a linebacker, when you have questions about depth on the defensive line, and all you can do is, is tell me names, but you can't tell me for sure, some of those questions will become answers that you're happy with, mm-hmm. but law of averages, some of them you're not going to be happy with. You're right. And so at corner... We can rattle you off some names. We can talk about Furge and Forbes and how they're competing for the starting job on the other side of Emerson, and we can name off some other guys that have CB written by as their position beside their names on the roster. But at the end of the day, they are all big, gigantic question marks, and some of them will be okay, and some of them won't. And it's just tough for me to believe on this Mississippi State defense with so many of those question marks that – you get anything resembling a, a very strong defense. But they don't have to be, again, like we've said many times, it's not like they have to be locked down. But part of it being good is having, whether it's Forbes or Furge or somebody, solidify that other corner spot beside Emerson. So let's start with Emerson, though. That's where we sort of have to start. We, I, I liked him as a true freshman. I thought, you know, he was a true freshman, though. You saw some good plays. You saw some plays where he was getting beat. Um Got to, got to, you know, got to shake those up again. How many times have you heard coaches say though that biggest leap is first to second? His first to second year. It's also first to second game. So don't forget that. So, <laughs> gosh, first to second year and first to second game, he should t- totally <laughs> shut down Arkansas. Uh, but yeah, just you don't need Emerson and Furge or Emerson and Forbes to be Bean and Smoot. I mean, you'd like that. That's the best case scenario, but it doesn't have to happen. You just need. Or Martin Emerson to be a quality SEC level corner. He gets beat some, you know, when he when he's covering Devontae Smith or Tr- Terrace Marshall, they're going to give up some plays. Those are good receivers you're up against. But you should be able to hold your own out there. And I think Martin Emerson has the talent level to hold his own in the SEC. I think that's totally fair. Uh, I think he's shown enough that you can go into every game feeling comfortable about his side of the field. Not that he's going to be perfect, but you know you're going to be competitive over there. And really right now, that's all you can ask. That's all you can ask on the other side, is that you're just competitive. That they can't just keep going over there and and picking on Forbes or picking on Furge or picking on whoever. And, you know, I feel like we can say somewhat definitively that, yeah, Emerson may give up some, but he's going to do his share of damage and locking down over there too. That side's going to be competitive. You just got to hope that the other side is. So what is the other side then? I mean, where, where are you leaning right now? I mean, I, I feel like it's between Furge and Forge. Furge is so interesting to me. That's a guy I'd sort of written off, you know, along with like Jalen Reed. Like the, those two guys, they were signed in the same class, and I was like, these guys are never going to play. And if Jerry and Jones were still here, I know everybody likes to make fun of him because he gave up the touchdown. Against, but chances are they wouldn't be playing. Um, but it looks like he's he's – Taking advantage of this opportunity and is, is you know ready to go. I mean, he's played. He's a veteran guy. He's been around the programs. He's he's worked with these you know three different coordinators. It's always funny to see how many how many defensive coordinators have you worked with. Errol Thompson, I think, is on five. I'm pretty sure because he was a redshirt freshman. He redshirted under Sermon. Then he would have had a year of Grantham, two years of Shoop, and no, I guess it's four. And now is that right? I'm pretty sure I'm right. I think that's right. So yeah. I mean, four defensive coordinators in, in five years. And you know, now now Furge would be on three. But I, good things continue to come out of practices about Asias Furge and, and about Emmanuel Forbes. 
who I think I thought was going to play regardless. Top top corner in the state, four-star prospect. I thought he would have been a depth guy anyway. But now he may be starting. Yeah, I, I don't really know which way to lean here. Because, again, it goes back to we don't get to see much of anything. We just go on what people tell us. And all we've really been told to this point is it's a battle. And uh, it, it has seemed in conversations like that battle could go either direction. But, I mean, sitting here, me talking to you, do you feel extre- you know, more comfortable with one over the other? Because I kind of feel like it's just, I don't know, start one. If it works, stick with it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to break it down that simplistically, but it kind of feels like that at this point. I mean, they've seen more than we have. But I feel like Forbes has the higher ceiling. I might just go ahead and go with him. Just ride with him. Let's, 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 let's put him out there as a true freshman, maybe take some licks. But by the time he's a junior, that guy should be one of the best corners in the country. Makes sense to me. That's how I would I would play it. If if they're all things being even, if Fergus is, is dramatically better, I'm going to go probably go with him. Yeah. But I'm probably I am going to go with him. But if it's close, I'm, I'm, I might go for the higher ceiling guy here and just let him get out there and take his lumps. I like that. Let's put you at corner coach. If if uh, McBath needs McBath any help, work out. I don't want to be a corner coach. I wouldn't know how to relate to those guys. You guys are so fast. I hate you all. In shape. You're in shape. It's true. It's true. I wouldn't know how to. That's that's more your your speed than mine. It's not getting very quickly to where it's not. So we've got three corners there. Who's who's the fourth guy? Is that Corey Charles? Uh, is that Kyle Cass? You know who is that next guy? Richardson, maybe. DeCameron Richardson is a guy uh-huh. whose name has been mentioned quite a bit. Um. I don't. I, it's, I don't a, it's a grab bag, man. It really is. You just—it's it, why I started this whole show today, just talking about how difficult it is to preview this because you're basically just reaching in, plugging somebody in. Go get them. <laughs> you know, it's what are you going to get out of them? And, and nobody's really going to know until starting September 26th down in Baton Rouge, and and until then. I guess a team that I, I assume still wants to pass a lot. I'd be my guess. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, there's that. I, I, I feel like we might learn pretty quickly who has playmaking ability and who's maybe pretty far behind. We should. I mean, and with this defense, I assume it's an aggressive defense. You know, 3 3 5. Everything I've seen about Zach Arnett, he's a guy who likes to bring pressure. Which means? Which means you are out there. On an island. I've said it before, the Joe Lee Dunn style of teaching your cornerbacks. You know, you're out there on the island and God bless you. You know, good luck. Um, I I don't know. You know, I don't know how this defense is going to operate if it's weak at corner. Because... Well, it's not. I don't think. Well, okay. I thought you were saying it's not weak at corner. I was like, we just no, talked it's, about it. It's, it's not, not going operate. to work. It, it's going to It's going to require – Zach, Ar- we've talked so much about Mike Leach and, oh, can he run his system in year one? Does State have the, the personnel? And it's not Mike Leach that's the, it's, who doesn't have the personnel to run the system. It's Zach Arnett. He doesn't have – he does not have the, system, the personnel in place right now to run this system. We don't think. We don't think. Could he prove us wrong? Yeah. Well, it's not him proving us wrong. Yeah, could they? Yeah, could his first players prove have us to wrong. prove us wrong? Uh, yeah, because I maintain you, you look at Zach Arnett's track record, and I know it's not in the SEC, but you don't put up the kind of numbers that his defenses have the last couple years and not know what you're doing. He knows what he's doing. I just don't know if he has the weapon weaponry in the SEC 
to play a 10-game SEC schedule and be successful with what he's got right now. Uh, and if he is, you know, if we come out of this season and this defense is not good, just acceptable. Yes. That's got to make you feel really good about the future with Zach Arnett. Oh, yeah. Because the bar for what I would determine success to be for Zach Arnett is not high. Right. <laughs> yeah. If they finish seventh in total defense, but, I'm going to tell you right now that when this guy gets his players in there, it's Joe Lee Dunn, 1999, part due. It's happening. <laughs> this guy is the next big thing. So, yeah, even if they're eighth or ninth, if they're holding teams to 24 points a game, I'm going to be pretty impressed. I just can't help, you know, when you look at what State lost in terms of, you know, you knew you were losing Dantzler. You knew that. But what if he was back? And what if Willie Gay was back? And what if Jerry Jones doesn't transfer? And what if Fabian Levin doesn't transfer? And all of a sudden, then you're like, you've got something there. This, then you're thinking this defense is going to be pretty good. Well, I could, I could give you my, your analogy back to you. Which one? Um, I got so many. About my, you know. But your aunt? My aunt. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> But, yeah, this this defense this year in the cornerback position, and it's sort of interesting because cornerback has been such a good position for State through the years. So I mentioned Bean and Smoot, but obviously, you know, Tavez Calhoun and Will Redmond were a good duo, and Dantzler was good last year. You, you got something you want to say? Are you okay no, with that? You're just laughing about the aunt and yes, the uncle over there? Yes. yes. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be a very much a transition year for Mississippi State at the cornerback position. In 2016, State had the personnel to be a lot better defensively than they were. That was just a really poor. The scheme was poor. I think the scheme is good this year. I think that the, the the talent is going to be the issue. If you're, if you're wondering why State's not as good defensively, this will be the first. I mean, sixteen was bad, but for the most part, State has been you know for the past decade since Manny Diaz arrived in 2010 has been a good defensive team. This is going to be a year where that's going to be put to the test. No doubt about it. No and, doubt and, about it. And and in the SEC, you know, a lot of good receivers. A lot of teams that want to spread the ball around and, and throw it. This is the position group, though. Don't you feel like that will determine whether or not this defense can be what we would deem acceptable, right? Yes. I mean, if if you told us today the cornerbacks don't have to be, again, don't have to be good. Finish ninth in pass defense. Then all of a sudden you're like, fine. Yeah. Good. They should be okay. Then the whole defense should should be Everything's right going to work from this. I mean, I know I – know, the games are won and lost in the trenches, right? But you can get all the pressure you want. If they throw the ball up and the other guys are open to catch it, there's nothing you can do. Yep. You know what? I, that was a 2016 problem, right? They couldn't get pressure and they couldn't cover. <laughs> That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I think mixture. I think this team can get pressure, which is fine. You know, if you, if you, if your if your defensive coordinator looks at things and goes, you know what, we can't cover, so we better blitz. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and you and you'll force some mistakes. And you'll force some bad throws, and you'll get some incompletions. But on the other side of that, there's going to be times where they're going to throw quick and guys are going to be open, or they're just going to heave it up and there's going to be nobody there. And you're going to just have to sort of take the good and take the bad together. Uh, you just have to hope that it's more good than bad. But this cornerback position, again, Emerson, I think, can be good. I like Emmanuel Forbes. Furge is a mystery to me. I need to see, you know, I need to see him on the field. I need to see what he can do. So you know, I, I'm not I'm not really willing to make any statements about how good this group can be, but I will say that they've got a couple of pieces there that are I find that are, that are good pieces. Yeah, that's and we'll, totally see, we'll see where it takes us uh, from there. We'll talk about the safeties tomorrow. Guess what? More questions.
no more doubt. questions. All right, let's move on over to our final opponent preview of the season, the Ole Miss Rebels, and that's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Whether it's the uh, the food truck out front, which will be open as we're going today for lunch and dinner tonight and open all weekend, whether you're hitting them up there and, and getting a burger, a steak sandwich, a taco, or even a steak dinner, that's going to be delicious. Or if you walk inside and, and see what they've got on the uh, in the uh, the counter there for you, steaks, burgers, ribs, brisket, tri-tip, it's all right there. It's all ready for you. You can cook it yourself. You can let them cook it for you. They've got you taken care of at Welcome Home Beef. So call them today at 662-268-8148. Put your order in now. For you know this weekend, for weekends to come, maybe you can't tailgate, but you can certainly homegate all you want. So whatever you're doing at home, welcome home beef. Would love to be a part of that. Call them again two six eight. I'm sorry six six two two six eight eight one four eight, or go online at facebook.com/slash welcome home beef. Whether they're cooking it or you're cooking it, one thing is for sure: it just tastes good. Ben Garrett, ugh, that guy, joins us on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. Joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, the biggest piece of trailer park trash I know. <laughs> ben Garrett from the Ole Miss Spirit is darkening my doorstep today. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Man, I'm, I'm ready for football. We're ready to start uh, next week, and I know you guys are, you know, probably the same up there in Oxford, and I'm just ready. I'm ready. We we, we made it. Let's 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 do it. So, let's yeah, I'm, I'm surprised we made it. Not to say that. Oh, I am too. Not to say that I'm um, I'm saying anything about the virus or the pandemic. Just with the way things were trending, mm-hmm. um, you know, you. early in the summer. Yeah, it's to be here. I think is an accomplishment in and of itself. And I agree. I'm just glad we're getting football. Man, it feels a little bit more normal than it has for the last six months. Well, let's talk about some football. See if we can't get 20 minutes of normalcy here or whatever. Uh, I think State and Ole Miss have a similar thing going on. We both know who the starting quarterback's going to be. They just haven't made it official yet. When do you expect Matt Corral to be named the starting quarterback up there? He is a starting quarterback. Okay. Um, it's not official, but he is the starting quarterback. And I, I just heard enough to where I'm going to call it. It's done. He's going to start. Right. Um, I don't know what that means for John Rice. It's, it's been a regular point of conversation amongst Ole Miss Twitter and message boards about, oh, we'll just move John Rice to wide receiver, move him to safety. Um, when he was coming out of high school, he was recruited by Georgia and other big schools like that. As a safety, Ole Miss offered him the opportunity to play quarterback with the backup plan of you can be moved to slot receiver if we need him to. So um, I think that Ole Miss, like every other school, saw him with the ability to move, but they were the one offering him the chance to play quarterback, and John Rice views himself as a quarterback, and he was never going to not um, compete for the starting quarterback job in fall camp. And... Um, practice other positions if there's a chance to be the starter. But I think now it's pretty much set in stone that Matt Crow is going to be the starter. So what happens to John Rice? Because he's too good of a player or too great of a weapon, I guess, yeah. to not utilize him in some way. And there are enough holes on this roster to where you can find a guy that has that kind of talent, a spot, and play him there. So, um, But at the end you know, of the day, you got to remember this is a 10-game All-SEC um, shortened season. And quite frankly... For everybody across the country, not just at Ole Miss, it's a mulligan. I mean, I think anybody can get away with anything this year. They just need football games to be played for it to be started, to be finished. So I think Matt Corral is the starting quarterback, and um, as long as he plays well, he'll be the starting quarterback. But 
if Ole Miss isn't moving the ball, that's a really tough schedule. If Ole Miss isn't moving the ball, I mean, Lane Kiffin's not going to allow his offense to stagnate, and John Rice can get in there and just run up like he did last year. Heck, you know, yeah. he got to put points on the board. So I, I think it's settled, but to say that it's finished, John Rice was moving somewhere, I, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. It really is interesting, the similarities between State and Ole Miss at this position this year with Schrader moving to wide receiver. I actually brought that up yesterday on my podcast about Garrett Schrader being moved to slot receiver. And, you know, it's a good point of it, you know, reference for Ole Miss because John Rice, I think, could do that. I yeah. Just, how has he looked? I'm not trying. I know this is an old Miss you, you, moment, but how has he looked? You you know that we have, I mean, we haven't been to practice. They have right, a lot of right, out there. Right. But what we, what I hear is he looks pretty good. I mean, he's a good athlete. You know, he's yeah. just got to learn the system as a, as a receiver now. But I, I don't have any questions about him being able to play the position from an athletic standpoint. He and Plumley are sort of the, sort of cut from the same cloth too. I think they're yeah. they're both competitors. They want to be on the field. So I think when this is all said and done, if once Corral settles in, Plumley's going to you know he's going to do what he has to do to, to well, get. Well, on the tell field. me what you think about this though. Okay, okay. so if John Rice Plumley is hell bent on being a quarterback, which is what has been the impression I've been given from talking to a number of different people, he, he believes himself to be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you value then? If you value playing both sports, football and baseball, well, the best opportunity at this level is Ole Miss because yeah. you're not going to get that opportunity at Auburn or at Florida. But if you decide that I'm a quarterback, I'm going to play quarterback, and I'm going to play in the SEC, when he decided to transfer then, because that's what he would do, right. I mean, he would have options. I mean, Gus Malzahn would look at him as Nick Young 2.0. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen would take him at Florida. It's just a, it's a matter of what do you value. Is it being a quarterback and thinking that you can – get paid ultimately in the future as a quarterback or playing both sports and knowing that the money's probably going to be about the same if you're playing slot receiver quarterback. So John Rice is the most fascinating story, in my opinion, bar none, for Ole Miss this season. Everything else, whatever. Lane Kiffin, yeah, we've played that just story football. out. It's going to be, yeah, that, that's football. But, I mean, as far as just what's the greatest storyline, what's the, going to be the most interesting thing to follow? I mean, it's John Rice because at the end of the year last year, if you polled – the college football world and said, "What do you know about Ole Miss?" It's John Rice Plumley, and that's that's so, that's holding up now. I mean, he, yeah. Richard has mentioned a couple times he's been on some shows with some national people, and they talk about tell us about the Ole Miss quarterback, and he starts talking about Matt Corral, and they don't they don't believe that uh-huh. Corral's going to start because they all saw Plumley yeah. run wild on LSU, and that's yeah. their last memory. So, I love yeah. the Ole Miss backfield. Love Ely. I like Connor. Uh, I think I've heard a lot of good stuff about uh, Parrish up there yeah. this, this fall. So the backfield, I'm, I'm not too worried about. But who is working with Elijah Moore? Who's going to be the second receiver for, for in this offense? I think Dontario Drummond to start. Um, Braylon Sanders needs to be that guy. He's the veteran. I mean, he's a senior. He's done it before. His problem is he can't stay on the field. He's even been banged up in preseason practices. He's always banged up. And Ole Miss has been hit hard by COVID in a number of different positions. I don't know if Braylon was one of those guys, but he's just been in and out so much. Braylon needs to be that guy, but Dontario Drummond, he flashed last year. The problem was Rich Rod's offense. I mean, I don't have to explain that to you. You no, saw it. I saw it. Um, Jonathan Mingo's got all the talent in the world. Uh, the question is, can he do it consistently? And in practices, I think he's been the flashiest wide receiver as far as the plays he's made, but just doing it consistently, that that's the challenge for him. They need more out of Dennis Jackson. Dennis Jackson, he, he needs to come on at this time. I've pretty much just given up on Miles Battle. Um, in his class, when they signed him, he was the wide receiver that was number one on the board. He's who they wanted. He just hasn't done anything, and we've heard nothing about him in fall camp. Again, though, like y'all, we, we haven't been to practices, so Miles Battle could be setting the world on fire. Maybe they're just kind of keeping that quiet. I tend to doubt that because Lane Kiffin, say what you want about him, 
he'll tell you what he wants you to know, and he's very frank. He's very direct. So if you say, what have you seen from Miles Battle, or what have you seen from the wide receivers, and he doesn't mention Miles Battle, then I think that's a telltale sign that Miles Battle probably isn't having the fall camp that they needed him or wanted him to have. So I think those are probably the best candidates. But if you ask me who's the number two right now, Don Terrio Drummond. Braylon Sanders needs to be that guy. But Jonathan Mingo, I think, has the highest upside of anybody. I'm not saying he's any of these players. I'm not saying that. Let me preface what I'm about to say by saying I'm not saying he's any of these players. <laughs> but he fits the mold of the A.J. Browns and the Laquans and the Dante Moncrief. He's that kind of built guy. He's that yeah. kind of talent. But being that kind of talent and actually putting it on the field are two totally different things. So he's the closest thing. If you can tap into that upside, you really got something there. What's this offensive line like past Ben Brown? Well, Ben Brown's had a little bit of trouble adjusting to um, making snapping his number one responsibility. Yeah. I mean, this was an all-league caliber guard for two years, and so he was used to a particular type of um, playing style and what he was putting as his number one emphasis every single snap. But now it's Hey, I gotta get the ball to the quarterback. That's been a little bit of a challenge for him, but I think he's gonna be fine. Ben Brown, in my opinion, is an NFL center. I think that's why they moved him there. Um, Eli Johnson was not gonna be the starting center even had he returned because they'd moved in there because they saw him as an NFL center. But Royce Newman, a right tackle, I, I think he is woefully underappreciated. Uh, he's gonna be an NFL player. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Bradley Sal in terms of how little people paid attention to him in college, and then he went on to have an eight-year career to Brad. I think Royce is the exact same way. Royce is a great right tackle, a very solid right tackle. And a left tackle, Nick Broker, is emerging as one of the better left tackles in the conference. The problem is, is in the interior. Who is playing guard? Now, they have some candidates that I really like. Jeremy James, I think, is going to be a very good starting guard. But he's a redshirt freshman. Jalen Cunningham... Um, it was it's his time to step up and be one of the starting guards, um, specifically a left tackle, a left guard, excuse me. But his problem is that conditioning has always been an issue. Now he's gone from three hundred and sixty something pounds down to like three twenty eight. That's great, but still three plays strong, and then that fourth play is just he's gassed and he gets whipped. That that can't that's not sustainable, right? That's not sustainable right. in the SEC. Um, Connor uh, uh, Carter Colquitt is certainly a candidate. Caleb Warren would, I think, have started at one of the guard spots that he broke his hand in fall camp. They have a lot of candidates. I will say this, uh, you know, we, we knock pretty much everything about Matt Luke, but he did a pretty darn good job recruiting on offense. John Rice, Jerry on, Mingo, and those offensive linemen, those young offensive linemen are really good, but breaking two of them in, in the interior, that, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. You need two guys to step up and take that on. I think the one guy who's closest to that is Jeremy James. Fortunately for Ole Miss, Jalen Cunningham did get some time last year, so it's not like he's going into it green. But can you can you hold up conditionally? And if you can, then um, I think their offensive line is going to be pretty good. I, I think Ben Brown's good as they come, Royce Newman good as they come, and Nick Broker. I think he's going to be a superstar in time. It's just a matter of those guards. Can you catch up to the three solid pieces? And if anything happens to any of those three guys. Oh God! Well, then it gets a little bit, yeah, a little bit murky there, right? Yeah. So. How big is getting Sam Williams back for this defense? Here's the problem. Okay. Sam Williams is a great player. We all acknowledge that. But if Sam Williams is getting doubled, which he's going to get doubled, because opposing offenses, 
know who your best players are. Sam Williams is going to get double teamed. He's getting doubled. Tell me the defensive lineman on that almost defensive line that's going to take advantage of that. T. Tisdale, I like the idea, but he played in all games, all 12 games last year, didn't start, and he's playing defensive end. Does he have that type of pass rushing playmaking ability? Benito Jones had 10 and a half tackles for loss last year. 10 and a half. Josiah Cody had a down year and still was pretty regularly in opposing backfields. I don't know who their starting defensive tackles are. They have rotated Ryder Anderson in at defensive tackle. Now, Ryder Anderson, I think, is a good, solid player, but he hasn't really done much over his Ole Miss career, and he's being accepted as one of the constants or one of the sure things on a defensive line when he isn't. He hasn't put that on tape yet. And now, when he came in, he was like 220, 230 pounds. He's up to 275 pounds. That's great. But now he's playing defensive tackle. What does that say about your returning defensive tackles? It's like every other week, there's a new guy that's now the flavor of the week for almost a defensive tackle. Katie Hill, he can maybe be that guy. Ladarius Cox, he can maybe be that guy. I think the defensive line is the scariest thing about Ole Miss in 2020. Okay. So even then, with Sam Williams. Even with Sam Williams. Because, yes, Brandon Mack, a redshirt freshman, he was having a good um, early showing at camp. DeMond Clowney, a true freshman, same thing. They've both been out. Or, excuse me, Clowney's been out. I think he's one of the COVID guys. Um, but, T. though, you have to be almost all-league caliber to compensate for what opposing offenses are going to do with Sam Williams. Now, having Sam Williams back, good as he is, does help those guys and gives them a better opportunity to take advantage of one-on-one matchups. But can you win? Because I, I've heard that, at least early early in practices, that it was too easy for the Ole Miss offense. And you never wanted to be too easy. You wanted to be a you know a good mix, a 50-50 thing. Offense gets a couple, defense gets a couple. But early on, the offense was whipping this defense without Sam Williams. And they're starting to get some guys back in the secondary as well, which will help. Because I think the linebackers in the secondary, they're good enough for defensive competency. But if the only sure thing that you've got is Sam Williams on that defensive line, which right now for me, I just don't know what else you can count as. That guy, he's going to be, a, he's going to be everything we need him to be. I don't know how you survive. I really don't. And, and, the, and say what you want about almost offensive. they got a lot of good pieces, but... Matt Crow isn't a sure thing. Even if John Rice was starting, he's not a sure thing. You don't know yet. Yeah. And, and you know, defensively, Ole Miss hasn't been good since Kimbiche left. I mean, that's just right. that's just the truth. So but here's the thing: like, are they are they going to be better this year? Is I guess my question. Not 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 good. Just better. Well, think about it. Think about it. Last year, Ole Miss was vastly improved defensively. Yeah. Vastly improved, but still bad. But still not good. Right. Yeah. Right. They were just so historically bad under Wesley McGriff that, honestly, Mike McIntyre just needed to make them competent. And he did. And quite frankly, they should have won more than four games last year with yeah. what they had. I mean, that, that was just that, – that's an indictment. People on keep their legs down. Point. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's, that's the total it, – it, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, the egg ball, it, I mean, that shouldn't even be close, to be honest with you. As far as – I mean, State should have just beaten the crap out of them the way they were playing. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, – the point being is that they should have won more than four games, and that's an indictment on the last staff. And you say, okay, well, then they'll be improved, and there'll be a two-game improvement. This is a 10-game all-SEC schedule. And when you look at it, where is the guaranteed wins for Ole Miss? 
it's not Vanderbilt. They always play Vanderbilt tight. Doesn't matter how good they are. Vanderbilt always plays Ole Miss tough. Maybe Arkansas almost sucks in Fayetteville. And can you really say Ole Miss is all that much better than Arkansas? You could say that talent wise, sure, but you don't know. Kentucky, they got to go to Lexington. Kentucky's a damn good football team. Really solid football yes. team. There's no guarantee. So people say, well, I mean, how many games are they going to win? I mean, I'd set the over under, what, a three and a half? Yeah. I suppose I'd go over or under. Yeah. Let me see what they look like against Florida, because Florida. That's a top eight team. Kyle Trask doesn't have elite arm strength, but he's very accurate. So can you play confident defense enough and your offense is as good as it's supposed to be in the Lane Kiffin? And I'm not saying you quit Florida because I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to lose 44 to 24 or something. Yeah. But can you build enough there that moving forward, you do beat an Arkansas, you do beat a Vanderbilt, you do beat or go upset, in my opinion, be an upset of a Kentucky. Mississippi State Ole Miss will be in the same kind of boat by the end of the year. Yeah. LSU I don't think is going to be any good. Maybe you get an LSU at the very end of the year. Yeah. But, I mean, how far have you made up that ground as far as not getting beat 66-3 to by Alabama in week three, yeah. right? I, I don't know. I know you're not the you know, you're not super optimistic guy. You make me look optimistic from time to time. With that said, <laughs> are you excited about the prospect of a Mike Leach versus Lane Kiffin egg bowl? Not particularly, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I, it has nothing to do with cynicism. or I love it for the state because no matter how bad or good these teams are, and let's both agree that most likely neither of these teams are going to be particularly good. I think that they'll be fun, and I think that they'll give teams that are better than them a real run for their money and maybe clip a team or two that they weren't supposed to. I think that's a real a real possibility for both of these teams. Um, so I think it's great for Mississippi that regardless of how this season plays out for either one of them, that, that game will still be interesting because it's Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. And that's something that they didn't have. I mean, no one was tuning in nationally if these two teams were under 500 to watch Matt Luke and Joe Moorhead try to out-strategize each other. But if um, Ole Miss is under 500, Mississippi State, same thing, too. People are still tuning in because that matchup is fun. Yeah. So from that point of view, I love it for the state of Mississippi because for the first time since 2014, when both of these teams were top four nationally, this it's healthy for the state when both of the programs are, are competitive. That's what I think has been lost in this rivalry lately when just been at each other's throats and just shitting all over each other. I mean, at the end of the day... Did you just, did you just curse? Yeah. Did I? Oh, well, sorry. But the <laughs> point being that, uh, you know, that's been lost in this rivalry a little bit is that, you know, it's best for the state when both of them are competitive. Because when they're both competitive, the rivalry is, is healthier and also um, it draws more eyeballs to this state. And there's a real problem right now as far as the talent in this state, it needs to be staying in state. And there's far too much competition from other schools coming in and poaching kids. Yeah, especially so, the past couple of years. Yeah, and that's why I think it's a step in the right direction. I don't know if either of the fits of Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach long-term, how that's going to play out. But I do think the storyline itself is far more engaging than it otherwise would have been had there been any other hire for either, for either school. I agree with that. All right, man. Ben Garrett, the old... That's it? Dang. All right. 
Keep it, keeping it tight today. Good to talk to you, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Hi, right, buddy. All right, thanks to Ben for his time. Always appreciate uh, getting up with him. Always balanced analysis of the Ole Miss Rebels. Not, not too high. Three and a half. What did we have for them? Well, I, got, I got the numbers right here. So for Ole Miss, I, I think we both had them two and eight. I, thought th- I, had, I had them three and seven. You have them three and seven, yeah. and I had them two and eight. So neither one of us would take it, the, the over on his three and a half bid there. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I mean, no. And he's right. I mean, even the two teams that you would say those are locks, right? Arkansas and Vanderbilt are teams that Ole Miss has struggled with the past, you know, decade. Still kind of feels like those two are locked. I feel like it feels <laughs> lock. There's no gimme for Ole Miss. There's no game where they're just. There's no Southeast, you know, Illinois State Technical College. There, there's no gimme. All right, they could lose the same way State could lose. There's no gimme when you're. There are gimmies for Alabama on the schedule. There's gimmies for 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 Georgia. There are no gimmies when you're Mississippi State or Ole Miss. All right, they just aren't. Now there's you know, ninety five percent. I think State beating Arkansas is 95%. State beating Vanderbilt is 95%. But that 5% does exist. Yeah, that's fair. I would say for Ole Miss, I mean, just based on recent history, I think they beat Arkansas. I'm trying to remember what the score of that game was last year. I think they beat them pretty easily last year. But two years ago in Fayetteville against that 2-10 and team, they, they won by one point. You know, They had to come back in the fourth quarter to win. Vanderbilt two years ago beat them in Nashville. With, I, with, I, with what I think is a better Ole Miss team. They had A.J. Brown and all those guys. So, we'll see what happens in Oxford. Uh, I do agree, but if nothing else, they're going to be interesting. See what happens. I, I, I want to see what happens with Plumlee. You know, I think, like I said, it's, sort of, it's weird how similar that's become with Schrader moving and Plumlee. You think about last year, the two starting quarterbacks of the Egg Bowl are likely now, to start yeah. at different positions this year for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. So, we'll see what happens. All right, tomorrow's show, we're talking about safeties and uh, – who knows what else? We'll figure that out between now and then. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Adad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.